Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hello and welcome to Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports, joined today as always by my colleague and co-host Lisa Roman, NWSL analyst and broadcaster. And she had a busy week this weekend. We're going to get into the recap episode for everybody. We're going over three games in this one and we will get into all the reasons why. There's Houston versus Chicago, Orlando versus Louisville, Portland versus North Carolina. And of course, it wouldn't be an episode somehow this month without more Washington Spirit news. We will get into all that and more, but first, a quick reminder that you can all watch NWSL full game extended highlights at youtube.com slash attacking third. Please subscribe to our YouTube page so you do not miss a thing. Lisa, how are you doing today after calling so many games this weekend? I'm good. Sandra, it's so fun when I get to call games. I, I had three this weekend for the NWSL and then we get to talk about it on a podcast. So mind me if I do sit my tea throughout because it can be a it can be a lot on the throat, but it's so good. I love working. I <laughs> love doing what I do. Um and I'm just I'm very blessed and excited. How about you? How was your weekend? What what did you do this weekend? Thrilling. Got to reconnect with some old friends. Uh it's it's funny because it's like sometimes you are like don't lose contact with folks right like you'll, you'll text each other or maybe you'll hop on a, a virtual call like this right or a facetime or something but then there's something about like after doing that with them and seeing them you know in the flesh for the first time in a little while as we're all navigating the pandemic still you're still it still kind of hits you a little bit different right you're like oh friendship and it's I nice you well sandra i feel that every day when i talk to you because uh for anyone who doesn't know we have never met in person and it breaks yep. my heart uh, but it doesn't matter because we're truly BFFs on the Attacking Third podcast, and we're gonna, I would either way. <laughs> we're we're gonna we're gonna work on that for sure. We're absolutely gonna work on it. Um, but I'm excited because part of again feeling closer to you is is being able to hear you on some of these calls. And uh, we're going to start getting into the recaps of these games right now. First up, we have the one game that took place on Friday, which was Houston Dash Dash versus Chicago Red Stars. These two teams played out to a 1-1 draw. Lisa, I don't know if you can remind me or not uh, how we had the picks going on in this one. I think you took Chicago. I think I, I might have said it might have been a draw, but I'm not. I'm not too sure. But I think you took a draw. I'll let you have this win. I did take Chicago because you were very excited that I picked Chicago. <laughs> I, I was. I do remember that. I was very excited that you went uh, the Red Stars way. But I, I don't know what is it. What is it about this this dash side, Lisa? I mean, we t- we talked about that a little bit also on the preview as well. We were like, listen, this team if they can get up one, they're gonna have to figure a way to close things out. And this is like, I believe, either the second consecutive win or, or another or another match similar that has echoed some pre, like prior dash games where they, they go up, 
fairly early, maybe sometime in the first half. And then there's like this awkward 75th, 80th, 85th minute, like late later scenario goal that's conceded. And they let, uh, you know, all three points kind of slip away. And this kind of ends up happening again for this Houston dash side, Chicago Red Stars looking really, really active, quite frankly, early on in the game. But a quick transition goal gave uh, Rachel Daly in the dash uh, an early lead. And then the Red Stars working and working and working and chipping away and getting the set-piece goal to equalize. Lisa, what were some of your takeaways from this game? Sandra, you said it. It's it's the curse of Houston Dash this season, I think. And you can even look back to the first time, um, or the last time, excuse me, that Chicago and Houston faced. Houston went up early. And then at halftime, Rory Dames making adjustments, changing formation, and Chicago comes back to win two to one. And Houston yeah. going up early in this one, playing the transition game, which they do really well. I mean, watching a player like Rachel Daly on Houston Dash is exhausting to watch because she's nonstop moving. She's checking back deep into the midfield to pick up the ball and then making these darting runs um, in behind opponents' back lines. And she does it really, really well. And that's what happened for Houston. They got on the board early. It was the 22nd minute. Uh, Rachel Daly, she got her fifth goal of the season. I'm not really surprised at that one. She knows how to find the back of the net. Uh, But you're right. Chicago had a lot of momentum going into that. They had a lot of good pieces coming together. Their defense has been looking really sound throughout this regular season and especially in the last few games. And their formation was good against Houston in the sense that they were able to find the holes and the gaps around the dash players and where they were lining up and occupying the space. And honestly, soccer is really just a game of space. It's Who has the space, who can occupy the space, and then who can find the space with the ball. And that's all over the pitch, whether it's like in the middle and finding the pockets around the midfield units or or spacing out wide and getting the ball and then finding the space in the back of the net, finding the holes that the goalkeeper isn't able to cover. But Chicago coming back in this one, and you love to see a a defender goal, set-piece opportunity. I think Mal Pugh had a great game. She, She did. There were moments where she was quiet. But I think that's what works best for Mallory Pugh when she can lull the opponents and the other team's defenders to sleep by not moving so much and being a little quieter for a few minutes and then just exploding on the play. So she draws the penalty kick right or the set piece, excuse me, right at the top of the 18 yard box. It's it's a foul. She's taken down by Chapman, uh, the hash, the Houston dash defender. But the set piece, Jane Campbell initially saves it. And it's Casey Kruger with the header. I mean, so fun when defenders get goals that's what they're there for they're good uh aerial balls in the air following up on them a defender knows how to defend that type of play so you can be sure that if the roles were reversed and houston had this set piece that casey krieger would have been on the line protecting her goalkeeper but no one was there for the dash and krieger finding the back or krieger finding the back of the net but it ends in a tie which makes the series tied between houston and chicago of course of course it's it's gonna. <laughs> this was the final regular. We have to. Yeah. We'll correct ourselves on this episode too. In the preview, we mentioned that. Oh, this is the second meeting. It was not. This is the final regular <laughs> season meeting between these two teams. So it's an opportunity for us to finally talk about this stuff, Lisa. The head-to-head is kind of a wash. They've each got a win against each other. The goal differential is currently even. What happens if this sort of kind of lower middle? of the table for the league standings stays the way that it is. What comes after head to head or goal differential? 
There's well, like a number of different scenarios. Yes, yes, there's a number of different scenarios. We're we're not technically there yet for this one, but I'm sure we will be. So for Chicago, they have five games left after this weekend, and Houston has six. So there is a chance for Houston to come above uh, Chicago in the standings, but the tiebreaker. So it's head-to-head uh, win-loss records between the teams tied in points. So right now, that's even. The head-to-head is even. Both teams have a win, and then the tie coming from this weekend's game. Second tiebreaker is the greater goal difference across the entire regular season, which tied right now, the goal differential between Houston and Chicago. The third tiebreaker, greatest total number of goals scored, tied right now between these two teams. So number four, it goes to um, number, you go back to like head-to-head games played on the road and then goal differential across on the road and then um, greatest number of goals scored on the road. And then finally, you get to a coin flip. Um, but <laughs> how crazy would it be if we got all the way through like the seven or eight tiebreakers yep. just between Houston and Chicago, which we could see anything is possible in this league, especially this season. Well, yes, we are learning in 2021. That is true. Uh, we'll stay tuned. We'll we'll see. Maybe maybe this this story isn't over between <laughs> these two sides, even though their regular season fixtures have come to a close. One uh, one for Chicago and Houston to close out week 17 action. Rolling into Saturday, we've got a different game that actually ended in a in, in a win. There was a full on result there. It's Orlando Pride versus Racing Louisville FC. It's a 3-1 win for Orlando Pride. Uh, Both these teams kind of coming in to this match. Orlando more so than racing already within a bit of a a playoff scenario. Really still trying to add to their point total in an effort to kind of seal it, secure it, right? Give themselves a little cushion and insurance. And you've got Racing Louisville quite frankly, still trying to claw away and try to pick up three points where they can. And it just, this is another week that goes by where they weren't able to get it done and to just quite literally add injury to the insult. They end up walking away with uh, some some rough, a rough game scenario here where Nadia Dean comes off of the pitch for racing. And if you're Louisville, um, I imagine that that's a really, really tough pill to swallow because while we've talked about it during this regular season, we talked a little bit about it uh, with Houston Dash right now, some scenarios in which late game opportunities slip away. That isn't unfamiliar for Louisville uh, as well and of the the defensive side of things. So when you're looking for some of these silver linings, we have looked at times within the midfield or within the forward attacking line for some uh, positive things to come away from this expansion side as they're still trying to sort of uh, establish themselves in their first regular season. And one of the things is they're, they're two big international signings and somebody like an Ebony Salmon or somebody like a Nadia Dean, two players who came in and immediately started connecting on goal and kind of, uh, you know, creating some chemistry within the attack for this Louisville side. And then to sort of see this player come off of the pitch, I would imagine, um, that's really, really uh, disheartening. But a, a big win for Orlando as well. We've got Sydney LaRue, Marta, and Alex Morgan all scoring in this game. I imagine if you're a Pride fan, uh, finally getting a, a match where you see sort of your big three, right? Kind of all come away <laughs> with goals is really, really exciting. Uh, but uh, Lisa, why don't we kind of hone in a little bit on, on this Orlando Pride side and sort of who they've maybe been a little bit in the second half of the season. It's like they finally get this win, right? But this is another game where there's there's just this really kind of questionable, almost reckless type of 
challenge that comes into into play during a 90 minute game. And and it's another thing that people are sort of looking at this game and saying, what's 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 going on here? It was about the 15th minute, uh, less than 15 minutes into this match. And it's a really rough tackle that took out Nadia Nadim. Um, it was Phoebe McLernan. She went in and I've I've watched the replay a few times. It looks dirty. It looks like a tackle that McLernan does not need to make. She knows that it's reckless going in. Nadim had positioning on the ball and immediately Nadim is writhing in pain. It was very, very hard to watch um, and have to commentate on watching a player that Sandra, we just spoke to and who was so excited to go play over this international window and secure her 100th cap internationally for Denmark and to see a that player who had so much hope and so much energy and was so excited to play against an Orlando pride team, just crying on the field in so yeah. much pain was disheartening. And I'm, uh, I, there have been reports that it was an ACL injury um, that she was most likely going back to Denmark to get the surgery. Of course, her, her season here with racing Louisville is done um, with this is a season ending injury and she hopes to return in time for the euros because she still wants to get that 100th cap. But there was a moment when she's visibly extremely upset and in pain on the field that I thought she's thinking about. She's not just thinking about club and the pain she's in right now and getting this win over Orlando, but she's thinking about her international career. And she knows that that's ended because players know their bodies so well. And there are so many times when you speak to players who have had ACL surgeries and injuries and they say, I knew it happened immediately as it happened. Um, So I think it was 50% pain, her, her emotions on the field and 50%. Um, just the emotions of it and understanding that this was a very big injury. But this is a theme that we are seeing from Orlando Pride in their reckless tackles. I'm going to say it. Uh, This is my opinion based on me watching the league and me seeing these players doing what they're doing. But this tackle from Freebie McLernan against Nadeem was pretty reckless and aggressive Um, in Houston's or excuse me, in Orlando's last game against Houston uh, Ashlyn Harris went off, which was pretty aggressive in, in the tackles that happened there, um, which ended up being a lot of her own defenders running into her on that. It was a bit of a scrum in front of the box, but another injury coming out of that match where Harris did not play in this game against Racing Louisville. And then even prior to that, the Orlando Pride game against Chicago left two players for Chicago injured, Morgan Gattral and uh, Danielle Colaprico, I believe. So two two or three games now where hard tackles are are happening and the opponents of pride or even a pride player in Ashlyn Harris are leaving the game injured it's it's just a different thing that we haven't seen from Orlando at the start of the season and they're a team of veterans they're a team that have been around this league um, and understand how to play and what to do so it's Uh, It's just a hot take from Lisa Roman from what I'm seeing, but it is what I'm seeing. And I think this tackle was really devastating because um, getting back to a little bit of the soccer between pride and racing Louisville that we saw the last time these two teams met, it ended in a draw one, one draw and Nadine was not available for that game. So it's not that racing lost this game because they didn't have Nadine. However, 
we spoke with Nadim ahead of this match, and she was so excited to play against mm-hmm. Orlando, to play against Marta and Sydney LaRue and Alex Morgan and Ashlyn Harris. She was very excited. And when speaking with Mario Sanchez of Racing Louisville and other players on Racing Louisville, Nadim is a player that elevates the trainings, elevates the locker room with her mindset and her ability on the field. So I imagine she was very much hyping up Racing Louisville to get this win or to get a draw, get points off of Orlando Pride. And to have this injury happen so early in the match, it changed the tide of this game for sure. Losing your leader, losing your star forward, losing the player that can really provide all of the creative spark in the attack for a team like Racing Louisville is very, very devastating for a team like Racing. Now, after the injury, it it was a bit of a different game, but that's because you're losing Nadim as well, and the players are all thinking about her, and there comes a moment when the players are like, yeah, we're going to play for Nadim and get this win for her, but also you can't have someone pretend to be a Nadim on the field that isn't. Um, everyone has seen Nadia Nadim play, and if you haven't, please go watch her because she is so fun. Uh, go watch some highlights. But uh, the, the goals, they were pretty good. And CeCe Kaiser for Racing Louisville, she comes back for, for Louisville trying to get a goal in this one. Um, she does get one after the two quick ones. But Sydney LaRue, whoo, what a game from Sydney LaRue. She was really fun to watch in this. And Alex Morgan making her return to the NWSL gets a goal just a few minutes after stepping onto the pitch um, and assist from Sydney LaRue. So Sydney LaRue did have her hand in all three of the goals, a goal herself. Um, she set up the goal for Marta and the assist to Alex Morgan, but the, the aggression that we're seeing from Orlando pride is different than we saw at the start of the season for sure. You know, it's, there's a lot of different games now to look at. And I think it maybe if you're coming off of, of one game, it's a, it's a hot take, but I don't hearing you talk about it, having the multiple examples, quite frankly, at this part, at this point, I don't think it's an unfair take to, to bring up and, and, uh, and talk about. And again, it's, it's unfortunate that it's, it's coming out of something that it's a, it's a big win for this Orlando pride side. I mean, again, talking about like the big three having scored all in a game together. I, I, I'm not sure if the fact check, it could be there with like, that's the first time that that's happened. I mean, feel free to fact check on me. We'll go back and maybe <laughs> run, run the tape on it, but I'm like trying to think back to when they, you know, acquired Martha, when Sydney, LaRue got involved, when Alex Morgan all being on the pitch at the same time and scoring a goal for, for the pride. Right. So, these are like all all big things. It's in the rules, still staying in the mix, right, of that gold, golden boot race. And then if you're Alex Morgan scoring on the way to uh, United States Women's National Team camps ahead of some friendlies, again, all great stuff to to exit in, uh, to exit out on, on, on this game. And then, of course, securing the three points in a big win without your starting goalkeeper for better position in the standings. But um, I don't, I don't think that's a, you got to take the good with the bad. And unfortunately for the pride, these are, these are two things that are kind of just adjacent to each other for this team coming out of this game. And we just wanted to talk about that for sure. So we will see. If I, this- I want to say one thing, Sandra, there is a very big difference in tackles in aggressive and hard tackles. And then yes. 
reckless tackles. Um, like it blatant examples are like a, uh, like a spikes up slide tackle. Like that's yeah. reckless. Every player yeah. knows and you practice slide tackling with your spikes down. So when you do it, it may be lazy. It may be because you're behind the player. It may be because you're a little pissed off at the player that just beat you. Um, And a lot of times there there comes an immediate card from that. And then a a little bit of aggression on the field and the players aren't happy with each other. But sometimes it can end in an injury like we saw with Nadim. And uh, McLernan was awarded or, or given a card. She was booked on this play due to the recklessness of the tackle that happened. So recklessness and aggression are different. I want to make that very clear uh, for for anyone listening. You know what? We got to hear it from uh, for our resident former defender in <laughs> Lisa Roman to clear to clarify those two things. And uh, we're gonna eventually uh, roll through and get through this uh, final match uh, for Sunday. But first, a, a quick quick break. Lisa already beating me to the punch with the hydration. North Carolina Courage, Portland Thorns. This is the one game that we've got to cover for this Sunday match. Uh, for people are wondering, there were four games that were going to be taking place. Uh, this well, there were five games that were going to be taking place during this weekend. But uh, Gotham FC and Kansas City and WSL were supposed to play on Friday, September 10th. And um, but in Legend Fields, uh, KC Monarchs and Kansas City and WSL will both share the facility. It was double booked. The Monarchs clinched a South Division um, match and then uh, had to prepare prepare for a playoff run. So that match was rescheduled to October 22nd for a 7 p.m. kickoff. And uh, there were two games left, uh, North Carolina Courage versus Portland Thorns and Washington Spirit versus O.L. Reign. We will get into uh, the scenarios around Washington Spirit and O.L. Reign. But first, let's take a look at this game between North Carolina Courage and Portland Thorns. Thorns, take this one, Lisa. I think we both got this one wrong. I don't remember a whole lot of the picks, but I think we both chose the courage in this one. Thorns take this game on the road. 1-0. Big game. CBS Sports Network match. Sophia Smith with really just sort of a classy, classy goal. It's hard to believe that a player in her very first full regular NWSL season, just sort of kind of taking this touch and getting this this long goal. Uh, took a little while to get here for both these sides, though. It took uh, almost an hour in this match, but that's all she wrote. That's all they needed. The Thorns walking away with all three points and a one-goal win, thanks to Sophia Smith. What were some of your takes in this match, Lisa? Yeah, I mean, this was definitely the most anticipated match of the weekend, um, maybe besides all the news that came out about Washington, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But really the most anticipated match because top of the table clash between these two squads and uh, nine times out of 10, when these two teams meet, you get the best from both squads because traditionally and historically, they've played each other in the championship. It happened in 2017 and it happened in 2018, Portland winning in 2017 and North Carolina winning in 2018. So uh, these are top teams that traditionally and historically throughout the league are top teams. And it's no different this year around uh, being at the top of the table. And Portland, a team that heading into this match, Mark Parsons said that his team hasn't been their best. And he, he 
told them, guys, just play together as a team. Don't play as individuals on the field. Uh, they didn't look good against O.L. Reign. Um, the players knew that. Mark Parsons knew that. But heading into this match, he said, let's start a clean slate. Um, it's post-Olympics. We're getting back into the thick of things as a team and as a unit. And we still have a lot of regular season to go. So let's play as a team. They had some really sloppy turnovers. The first 15 minutes of this match was just hectic. And I was like giddy with it. I was like, I love hectic soccer when it's even a little chaotic and sloppy. I still like it at times because these players are so good that they can clean up their mistakes pretty well. But the first 15 minutes were just hectic all over the place. Portland giving the ball away. Lynn Williams. Oh man, she should have finished one. Jess McDonald should have finished one of her chances that she had. So North Carolina watching this film of this game that happened on Sunday, they're going to be upset about those two chances because that could have changed the game. But as the minutes went on, Portland, they they found more of a rhythm um, amongst themselves and they were able to read the play better. They were able to move off the ball better um, and get into the attack. And it was Sophia Smith and the ball from Christine Sinclair from way back in the defensive end of the field. It was a really nice, nicely lofted and weighted ball right into the path of Sophia Smith, who who just got behind the courage back line. She did it a few times and she tripped up a few times. It was there was lots of gremlins in this turf, which happens in carry. It does happen at that North Carolina home stadium. Um, but the goal from Smith was really clinical. And like you said, that was all it took. The 57th minute um, Smith getting the goal. And after that, we didn't see a big surge of urgency from North Carolina to get on the board, which I was expecting. I was expecting a little bit more chaos around the 70th minute. Um, subs came in, a Amy Rodriguez for North Carolina. She did a little bit. Speck came in and did a few things. Smith came in for North Carolina and did a few things. But uh, overall, they, they looked a little tired, North Carolina, towards the yeah. end of this game. I'm thinking that maybe that uh, Paul Riley is like, oh, we have a, an international window, a nice break coming up that we'll just get through this weekend and then tackle the rest of the season. Because Paul Riley, not really happy with the attack of, and the offensive production of his team over the last few games. He wasn't. He told us that before the game. Um, we don't look like ourselves. We're creating six or seven chances a game, whereas historically North Carolina creates 20, 25 chances a game and they come out on top. So it's it was a different game. It was still a really good game for all the hype that everyone in the league, the league gave it and I gave it in our preview. Yeah. It was still a very good game. I will say that. And Portland, after a few hours, I think 24 hours of not being number one in the standings, they are back to number one after Sunday's games. Let's talk about it a little bit. Uh, for folks who uh, are kind of wondering what might have happened to this uh, prior game if they weren't, if you haven't been privy to the news going on around the league, there was going to be, this Sunday was going to be a, a doubleheader with North Carolina Courage and the Thorns uh, kicking off on CBS Sports. And then Washington Spirit was going to go ahead and host Oil Rain. But prior to the match on the Saturday, the day before match day, a release was mentioned. It was an official forfeit issued by the league for Washington Spirit. Via the release, the league announced that they've declared Washington Spirit match against Oil Rain officially scheduled to be played on September 12th, 2021 at Audi Field, a forfeit due to breaches of the league's medical protocols by the Spirit. 
So because of that, OL Rain will receive three points in the league table per FIFA guidelines, and the game will be recorded as 3-0 in favor of OL Rain. Now, let's I just to clarify for folks, just so they are aware of per the FIFA guidelines, the the 3-0 goal obviously is going to come into play should um for whatever reason a tiebreaker come down to these two sides. Uh, so that's also the reason for for the actual, you know, sort of pretend scoreline, not just the, the three points, but they also are being given the three goals as well. Um, but we got to talk about it a little bit. Lisa, this Washington spirit side. Um, Sandra, is- I can't help but laugh when this news came out. Of course, I was like, oh, no, is everyone OK? But then I had to laugh because, of course, something else happened with Washington spirit. It's like uh, we're in a simulation, I think I said not too long ago <laughs> on, on one of these podcast episodes. And I felt that way because we're talking about Washington spirit news about the, the club and, you know, the franchise, quite frankly. And it just here we are again um, doing this one more time. This is the second consecutive week that this club will not have played a regular season fixture the prior week. This team was scheduled to play Portland Thorns on the road at Providence Park. That game was ultimately canceled. Now, this is very important part that we have to bring up, in case, again, in case people aren't following along or in case it's too difficult for you to follow along because it feels like there's so much news coming out of the spirit side of things. Um, but the verbiage was very different between these two games. The game against Oil Rain, a forfeiture issued down by the league. For Washington Spirit, the game against Portland Thorns was canceled. It was canceled due to four. It was a it was an outbreak of, of positive COVID cases. It's a string of four positive test results amongst the team. So they said this has to be canceled. And at the time that there was going to potentially be a rescheduling uh, of this game somewhere down the line. Now, there hasn't been an update in terms of a future date for that game. But in this following week, much different verbiage in a release for this one. It's a full on release. It was issued by the league, by both teams, um, statements and within it, all the same verbiage about that. It was a, it was a forfeiture, the three goal, uh, scoreline in favor of the rain going to count as a loss for the spirit. So there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of uh, all of us again talking about the simulation. We're like hamsters, right? We're like hamsters on the on the <laughs> wheel, and we just keep running and running and running and expect to maybe find a different result, and then that just doesn't happen for whatever reason. Um, but I have to feel that just because of the scenario in last week's match that was canceled against Portland is is a little bit different in this situation because in this one the forfeiture is issued deliberately because there's the league is saying that there were breaches of the league's medical protocol by the spirit specifically. And then with that prior game, it was just a, it was just a cancellation. And maybe it's just the, the scope of that being we're in a pandemic. You can't necessarily, um, I guess, punish or issue a forfeiture because a team got COVID. This is just, part of the new world that we're living in and trying to navigate Mm -hmm. our lives alongside and with adjacent to however you want to phrase it, a pandemic. Um, So just maybe two different scenarios, but it's, it's, 
it, there's a lot of question marks about it because it's like, what is different from what was, what happened, what was found or what was discovered, what happened from last week to this week where it's deemed actually there's a breach of medical protocol. So this is going to be a forfeiture now. Yes. So uh, Sandra, you, you just spelled it all out. Um, uh, to take you inside my mind over this weekend and when this news broke, I wanted to set up a corkboard with the pictures and the press releases and images and the forfeit and the Portland game and tie the red string together and make all the dots like I was solving uh, a mystery for the FBI. Because honestly, that's a little bit what this feels like, because like you said, it's, it's hard to keep track of. So that was me uh, trying to figure this all out. I went back and I looked through the NWSL medical protocol and the different um, updates they had made to that. It's all on the NWSL website. I was just trying to find out anything we could. So um, I found out as a broadcaster of this game or of, of the league um, on Saturday afternoon around 1.30 that this game was going to be uh, not played anymore. And that's all we heard because as broadcasters, we need to know that to stop prepping our games, that you're no, you don't have to travel to the game anymore, whatever it may be. We get notified pretty early on as soon as the call is made. So as broadcasters, we were waiting for the official press release because at this point, we don't know anything. We just know that the game is not happening anymore. So then I think it was around four o'clock Eastern about on Saturday. So this is about 24 hours before the game is played that the press release comes out. And we find out that it's a forfeit, which is different than the week before. And like Sandra said, that changes things. And because it was a breach of the league's medical protocol, that changes things as well. Um, because Washington, like, guys, what is happening there? <laughs> Honestly. So if because it was a breach of the league's medical protocol, I'm I'm pretty much, I can assume myself that it's not just a positive COVID case, another one. Because like you said, it's it's this world that we're living in. And despite everything that you do, getting vaccinated, staying quarantined, wearing a mask, uh, sanitizing, washing your hands, disinfecting, you can still test positive for COVID. Symptoms or no symptoms, you can still have somewhat symptoms and test negative. It could be a cold. It could be a number of other things. So it's honestly in the world, it's a little bit hard to tell how and when you you can test positive for COVID. So I didn't think it was just another positive case within the Washington spirit. And as another reminder, because I read the entire NWSL medical protocol, there is no vaccine mandate in this league. I, I, I had a busy weekend. We, we said it at the top. I read through this like 50 some page protocol uh, that the league puts out because I was interested as to what could have possibly happened. And so there's a number of things. There's protocol with COVID that they could have broken. Um, I don't know. I'm just speculating. This is just Lisa Roman and her 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 corkboard with her red string speculating. Um, it, it could have been that the protocol was broken with contact tracing. Um, it could have been that the players came back to training too early or that they didn't quarantine well enough or long enough. Um, but there's also the factor of the vaccines. And what players have and have not been vaccinated, and per the NWSL, it's not required that players submit that information publicly. It's not required that the players get vaccinated. It's only required that the vaccine is available for the players. 
Um, so that definitely plays a factor into this as well. But uh, there has been different reports made um, on Twitter that some 85% of the Washington team had been vaccinated, which 26 players, it's Lisa Math again, so it might be wrong, but 26 players on a roster, 85% would mean that four players are unvaccinated. Now, again, you can still test positive and have COVID if you are vaccinated, but it was then reported on Twitter that eight players in the Washington spirit tested positive for COVID. Yeah. Or, or were unvaccinated. Also, four tested positive like- and eight were unvaccinated. So well, and I are, don't know. Are like these are these are reporters on Twitter. Like these aren't just like Yes, yes, I'm sorry. You know, this yes. isn't like this isn't like at user one, two, three, four, five, six. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like these are like reporters within the soccer space, you know, whether that it's have a, like that a, have a source within Washington yeah, here, within the club. Yeah, somebody like a Stephen Goff from the Post, or like mm-hmm. a Pablo Nara from the Athletic, or or Meg Linehan from the Athletic, and so forth. So it's just, it's just like, how is how? It's quite frankly, is is where I'm at. It's like how it's, and when those are my two W's, my two, <laughs> the who, what, where, when, and how. So I have the how, and then I also have the the when. I'm just yeah, kind of yeah. like, it just feels constant. That's my thing with this. It's it's just I don't want to say endless. I don't want to say that, but it just feels so. It is constant. And and one of the results of this happening with after the O.L. Rain game got became a forfeit and O.L. Rain was awarded a win with three nil win. Uh, then Portland fans and Portland players were saying, hey, what about us in our game that two weeks ago uh, was postponed due to COVID? And I think that the rules are a little bit different there um, because of that. Uh, the rules are different because with the Portland game, players had tested positive. So you can't fault a team for getting tested positive, especially in the medical protocol. There's nothing that says that in the NWSL. And now maybe they've changed the rules. Uh, I'm not sure. According to the protocol, they haven't changed anything yet. But even if they did over this last week, change the rules that if you test positive, it's considered a forfeit because we're trying to make this the safest league. That may be the case. But I don't think you can retroactively apply that to the Portland spirit game and give Portland a forfeit I think that game will still be rescheduled and it should still be rescheduled but honestly I don't know this is again just me speculating taking the information I'm given really digesting it and thinking it through long and hard and then giving it back to you guys well I'm also just thinking of like on the Portland side of things I mean this was a game that was going to be hosted at Providence Park and uh, I'm not going to get on this podcast and and pretend that you know all teams are created equal they're not uh, we see the type of audience we see the the type of audience that portland brings in and it's typically a large large crowd in the thousands so i would imagine that that's a certain amount of revenue that you want mm-hmm. to try to make sure that your team uh you know retains you know versus maybe another club that would have hosted uh you know this game so uh, we're still waiting to see if that's if that game is eventually going to be rescheduled when and if or, or how 
Um, and, and also, I think going off of that Portland playing at home and, and the revenue side of it, I also think that Portland, in a sense, believed they would win that game. So either way, they're thinking it could be a win if they still play that um, because they are playing at home. They have the home crowd advantage and Providence Park is a very intimidating place to play and a team like Washington spirit that has been through so much and a team like Portland who sits on top, it could be a good game for Portland to win. So yeah, we don't have any word yet if it has been rescheduled as of this recording. I am. I just, I, another one of like my primary reactions to all this was just like, just feeling for the players, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a team that has sort of, they've been putting together results despite all of these sort of outside factors happening, right? And they're a team that have managed to stay in what's considered this year playoff position in that you got to be somewhere on the six top six positions to, to get into the playoffs. So they've been doing that. They've been doing enough. And then it, all of these things started occurring um, for the team. There was the very awkward announcement about head coach, former head coach Richie Burke um, stepping away due to health issues and that he was going to take some time off and then eventually be reintegrated with the team in a front office role. Uh, and then the following day, reports about toxic cultures and environments at the team and then the league and the the club both saying an investigation is, is underway and he has been, you know, they're separated while this is ongoing. Um, and then a lot, and then the the canceled game against against Portland Thorns. In between that, um, some uh, no longer they, they sell they, the team, Steve. The, sell the, the, sell the team, Steve, came through. Uh, you know, you, the fans are letting themselves uh, try or trying to have themselves be heard. Um, because this is also a Washington spirit club that introduced this year, you know, a number of extended investorship within their club. So while there is a majority owner, right. And I guess that's what they're referring, they're referring to in Steve Baldwin. Uh, there are a number of owners uh, within the investorship group. And the, we saw some like weird sort of infighting again, this is all sourced via, via re reporting done via Twitter. And then there's just like weird back and forth going on there. Uh, then, the official hiring of Ben Olsen, a former DC United player, which a lot of people have mixed feelings about as well due to his lack of experience, due to it uh, being perceived as a hire is just sort of like, well, let's just sort of reach out, cast a wide net into like the DC area. And here's a former player and with some experience uh, and putting them in, in this role. And then just sort of having like a mixed reaction uh, to that, you know, and so the the fandom as well, as long as as the players have my sympathy, because I can't imagine um, mm -hmm. what it feels like maybe being a supporter of this club and having to sort of almost feels like wake up to like a new bit of just uh, discouraging news. And I, for me, the big the biggest things for me, even in between all of the very, um, just for lack of a better word, just sort of awkward things that are going on in this club right I now. I love your terminology. It's awkward and it's weird. And it those is. are the best words to it's describe awkward it. It's weird. I mean, it's just until we know what it is, right? That's the other thing. There are ongoing investigations. The lack of transparency has been a huge issue um, with multiple parties in this regular season, whether it's been club related or league related. Um, 
and that's like a huge thing that is another topic for another day um but yeah i would imagine if you're a season ticket holder you're like this is i'm out <laughs> like what's going on here and that's tough that's absolutely that's absolutely tough i mean I, for me the biggest thing is the fact that if if maybe if not for nothing the players can at least um dictate their things on the pitch and they haven't been able to do that in these last two weeks so what what is what is left what's the next step you know i think that's what people are sort of feeling there's sort of like this this it's almost like a tipping point i think and i don't imagine um i can't imagine that it's unfair or mm-hmm. otherwise to wonder about the current state of this particular franchise and their future and their position in this league i don't imagine you can be sitting in an office and taking a look at everything that has been coming out, quite frankly, week to week now at this point, and say, this is okay. This is good and acceptable. And this is something that, this is the attention that we want on our league. I can't imagine that that is okay. So uh, because of that, I don't think it's unfair at all to wonder, and by extension, worry, quite frankly, about the future of this franchise and their current state in the league and it's incredibly disheartening especially considering at this point of the season it is very very disappointing um uh, heartbreaking for the players like you said the supporters the the opponents for portland and now ol rain who don't get to compete as well this week and and maybe this fifa window coming up starting this week um no games next weekend for the nwsl due to the fifa window maybe this break will be good for washington spirit maybe they can get their ducks in a row a little bit try to straighten some things out iron out some of the wrinkles that have really been happening i'm not saying like iron the whole tablecloth but like iron maybe a corner of it and give some answers <laughs> to the supporters to the fans to the the media covering the league and the team just some type of answers um I I I, I like to be hopeful and glass half full kind of gal that this week FIFA window break for the season and for the league we will maybe get some answers at the end of it We'll see if somehow, some kind of way, after two weeks, Lisa, of not playing this Washington Spirit side, still finds themselves in playoff standing at the moment with uh, just a few weeks remaining left in this season. Let's give a rundown of the standings really quickly before we head on out in this episode for our listeners. The standings as they currently are in the league, the Portland Thorns on top, number one. Stop me if you heard it before. First place, Thorns, with 35 points. We've got O.L. Reign their Pacific Northwest rivals in number two with 32 points. North Carolina courage fall to number three with 29 points. Orlando pride fourth place with 28 points. Chicago red stars, fifth place with 26 points. Washington spirit in sixth place with 23 points. Houston dash just out of playoff position at the moment in seventh place with 23 points. Eighth place Gotham FC with 22 points racing Louisville in ninth place with 17 points and Kansas city NWSL in 10th place with 11 points. We'll see what happens with the remainder of the season, folks. I want to thank you all so much for listening to us on this episode. I just want to give you a quick reminder. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, 
anywhere you listen to your podcast show. Please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And if you leave a five-star review with a question, we will answer it as part of our mailbag segment that we've introduced on Attacking Third. I also want to remind you that we're available as video. Subscribe to us on YouTube for episodes and extended NWSL highlights. Please visit youtube.com slash attacking third. And in case you missed it, we have some special interviews that have been lined up. We have one that's going to be dropping for you all tomorrow. Check it out. Make sure you check out all of our past interviews, including the one that we just had with Nadia Nadeem on our YouTube channel. So go ahead and subscribe. We will be back Wednesday with news and notes. For Santa Herrera and Lisa Roman, this was the Texas Thursday.